So this morning, I've titled my message, Father's Love Transforms Our Lives. Amen? It's the Father's love that transforms our lives. I'm a living testimony of the love of Jesus Christ. I have tasted, I have experienced, I have known the goodness, the love, the kindness and the peace of Jesus Christ. And that has transformed my life. Amen. So that's my title, The Father's Love Transforms Our Lives. And let me tell you what God thinks of you and how he, his, uh, his opinion of you. And, uh, you know, you are his masterpiece. Amen. The Bible says that you are his masterpiece. God, when he looks at you, he doesn't look at you as a, just another person. He took time. The Bible says he took time and he created you. He fashioned you and he said that you are good. And he calls you in the book of Ephesians, he calls you that you are the masterpiece of God. So if you think today that you are just nobody, if you think today that you are just an average person, if you think that you are just um, somebody that's either just surviving and just gliding through life and you're maybe you've been called a misfit, let me tell you that's wrong. Because according to your heavenly father, you are a masterpiece in the eyes of God. When he looks at you, he looks at you with great joy, with great um, satisfaction, with great uh, 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 passion uh, to say that you are his child. So be encouraged that the, the God of the universe looks down on you today and say, that's my child, that's my son, that's my daughter that I have created. I've made them unique and they are precious to me. Amen. And um, all our mistakes... All our, our, our wrongdoings are covered under the banner of His love and His grace and His mercy. Amen. Now how you see God uh, profoundly affects how you approach Him. How you see God profoundly affects how you approach Him. If you see God as a, as a judgmental, uh, critical, a harsh uh, God who is keen on you to follow rules and regulations, you approach Him with great fear. A lot of religions today are not based on love, they're based on fear. Where in Christianity, well, it's not necessarily the religion. Jesus came to establish relationship. What was broken of what Adam has done, uh, what was broken because of Adam's sin. Jesus came, the Bible says, as the second Adam to restore that relationship back with mankind and with God. Amen. And so when he um, uh, looks at you, he looks at you with love. But when you approach God as a heavenly father, a God, who, who, who forgives you, a God who is there for you no matter what, you approach him with, uh, uh, with not with that kind of fear, but you approach him with confidence, you approach him with love to say, God, yes, I've messed up, but you have the power to heal my heart. Amen. So it really matters how you approach our Heavenly Father. And I encourage and I pray that when you see him, that you would run to him Run not away from him, run to him. There are times when I was growing up uh, that when my father um, at home, when he got home from work and um, I knew I've done some naughty things and I knew I was going to uh, 
get disciplined by him and uh, uh, I used to run away from him uh, because I, I didn't like to be disciplined. Uh, but, but that's just from a, uh, as a young kid to looking at his father. But when I realize the love of the Heavenly Father, let me tell you, every time I make a mistake, I don't run away from God, my Heavenly Father, I run to Him. Because in His arms, in His presence, there's fullness of joy. Amen. Amen. Today, we're going to look at Luke chapter 15. Uh, it's a story about uh, the, the, the lost coin on the lost sheep. But there are a lot of um, uh, 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 scriptures uh, in Luke chapter 15 from 11 to I think 30, 35, 32, 35. It talks about um, uh, 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 the two uh, sons, uh, uh, the prodigal son and the father. That's the story there. And um, uh, it's, it's, it's a narrative of two sons who both didn't understand the father's love. It's a narrative of um, these two sons, not just one. A lot of people focus on one son, but it's a narrative of two sons and a narrative of a father who is, whose unconditional love for a son that runs away from his father and a son that is still at home, but is holding grudge. So it's a beautiful narrative. These two sons uh, uh, were selfish. And you see in this narrative, there's a father who is selfless. Uh, there's a selfishness and there's a selflessness. And we are more in this story. When, if you know this story, if you're familiar with this story, uh, you will see that, um, that often people tend to see and we're more concerned about the son's lifestyle uh, than the fact that they're lost. You know, a lot of, even when I was growing up in um, uh, Sunday school uh, at, at church and they talked more on the behavior, they talked more on the, when it came to this story, they talked about the behavior of the, the prodigal son that went away and uh, spent the money. They focused a lot on the behavior and how he misused the, uh, the money, how he misused his time, how he mis and abused his body. They talk about the behavior, but I believe actually we got to be really focusing on the fact that the son was lost. And so because he was lost in his selfishness, in his arrogance, in his pride, and in his own will, choosing to do what he wants to do, not really to abide by the Father, and he, he, he took away, he took off, and then that just shows that he's a person who is lost. So we're going to read this morning the story in Luke chapter 15 verse 11. Jesus continued... There was a man who had two sons. I know you can't see this on the screen, but there are a few scriptures that I want to focus this morning. You'll see them on the screen. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me uh, my share of estate. So he divided his property between them. Basically what this young man was saying is, Father, give me my dad, give me my portion of my inheritance. In other words, what he was saying, Dad, you might as well be dead to me. Because as you know, and most of us know that you get your inheritance from your parents only when they die. You can't stand before your parents and say, give my inheritance now. So that was the approach of this uh, young lad who is saying, give my inheritance. In other words, he was saying, dad, you are dead to me. But the father divides his property, gives the portion that the, son, uh, the youngest son deser uh, deserves. So he gave it to him. 
verse 13 says, Not long after, the youngest son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything there, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of the country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pots that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Verse 17, when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So that's the background of this story. That this son, uh, in his own will, in his own arrogance, in his own pride, uh, in his own determination, he wanted to go do things in his own way. And I think we do that a lot of times. We got pride in us. We got this whole sheer willpower in us. And we want to do things the way we want to do because we feel what we're doing is right. And we know I have done that before I knew Christ. Although I was born and brought up in a Christian family uh, and had the knowledge of God, I lived my life the way I wanted to live. And I have realized that what I was doing was basically uh, losing myself. And then I recognized the need of my heavenly father. So that, that story reminds us that we can't live life without a creator. But this morning, that's not my focus. My focus this morning is on the love of the father. My focus this morning in this narrative is not on the two sons, not on the youngest son that took off and did what he wanted to do, nor my focus is on the oldest son later on. We read how he stayed with the father, quite dutiful, but yet quite critical, quite judgmental, quite mean when the youngest brother returned. That's not my focus this morning. My focus is really on the father. The father's love is what restored these boys. The father's love is what accepted this young boy who went away. And that's what I'm focusing on this morning. So in Luke chapter 15 verse 20, it says, So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, you know, I was trying to imagine the scripture. Whenever I read scriptures, I don't just read them as information. I don't read them just as uh, letters on a paper. I always ask God, God, I want to put myself in that place. And what would it be like? And I was thinking, you know, you know I, 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 I was thinking that maybe every morning the father got onto the porch and he was looking onto the fields to see if his son will return. Every day, maybe he's done that. I know a friend of mine who, uh, whose son took off a few years back and um, she tells the story, this is her story, but she tells the story quite powerfully that every day she would look for her son 
whether she was driving to work or driving back home and uh, whether she was out in a neighborhood, she would look for her son's return. And I think here the father every day was looking. And as you just put yourself in the place of the father and you're looking outside to see if your son's going to come back. And while he was still a long way off, maybe at a distance, and he just saw a tiny, tiny um, shape of his son just at a far distance, his father saw him. And when he saw him, he was filled with compassion, the Bible says. He was filled with compassion for his son. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around his son, and he kissed him. What a great picture. I don't know, I've never had my children run away from me. Uh, and I hope they will never do that. Because if they do, I'm going to chase them down. <laughs> but uh, uh, but I, I, I don't know what it is to experience to have a child run away from you and then return back to you. And um, I don't know, would I, be, would I be judgmental? Would I be looking at him saying, you've come back home, you've spent everything, and do, would I tell him off? Would I be harsh on him or her? I don't know. But here, I look at the love of the father. He was filled with compassion for this young man. And he ran to his son. You know, in the Jewish culture, um, uh, the, 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 the elderly people or the parents, um, they had a certain way to a manner to behave in order to be the, the statesman or in order to be the patriarch in the family. And you don't see them run, you don't see them being affectionate, you don't see them kissing. Maybe you're a family that kisses a lot and hugs a lot, that's fantastic. But many cultures, a father doesn't show affection to their children. But here we see that it's the father that runs and is filled with compassion and starts hugging him and threw his arms around his son and starts kissing him. You know, maybe you're far away from God today or maybe you feel like you're far away from God. You feel like you've done some sins, you've done some things that are wrong and you think that even God can't forgive you. Let me encourage you this morning on Father's Day that that is a lie from the devil. There is no sin that God cannot forgive. There is no sin that he cannot look at it and forgive you from that. So don't feel like you can't come back to God. You can come back to God and, and trust me, God's love, God's, God loves you so much that he wants you back for him. Amen. And he's ready to embrace you in his arms. So I want to encourage you this morning before I carry on. Don't allow your thoughts to help uh, 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 to uh, interpret uh, in your mind about how God, uh, what God's character is like. Because if you really understand God, he's not a hateful, vengeful God. He's a loving, caring God. Amen. Amen. So the father showed his love to his son by kissing him. He accepted his son by hugging him even before, if you look at the story, even before the son began to talk, the father hugged him and kissed him and embraced him even before the son had a cho cho choice to chance to talk. You know, um, I, I, I know that when my children, 
my dad does this to me, my, I do that to my kids, that when they are, uh, when they are not a bit naughty, uh, when they are a bit um, misbehaving, I say, explain yourself. Why would you do that? Explain yourself. And But here we look at the scriptures and go, even before the son could explain himself, God just, the, the father here in the story, threw himself on his son. Amen. What a great picture. And I hope and pray that you would see God that way, that when you run to him, that he will throw himself. Isn't God good? Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. God demonstrated his love for you and I. While we were unworthy, while we were sinners, while we were alienated from the love of God, that while we were still living in our wretched lives, he, he, he demonstrated his own love for us in this way that Christ died for us. Amen. So in verse 21 of Luke chapter 15, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Isn't that interesting? That's the perspective of the son. I remember when I did some things that are not, I'm not that proud of as a kid. There are a lot of things that I did, matter of fact, that I'm not really proud of. Uh, and I thought that my family would alienate me. I thought my father would disown me. I thought my father would uh, ignore me and, and uh, um, avoid me. And, uh, 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 and, and he, that he wouldn't even look at my face when I'm in his presence. That was my perspective of my dad when I was naughty. And I think, it's a, and you can look at it here, this, this young boy, his perspective of his father, when he was coming to his father, and as he explains himself in chapter, verse 21, he's saying, Father or Dad, I have committed sin against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I'm no longer worthy to be called your own. That's what the son is saying. And I think he was, his perspective was one full of shame, full of guilt. I think he must have felt unclean. I know I felt unclean when I did something wrong. I feel terrible inside. It's eating me away because I knew better, but I still chose to do what I shouldn't do. And I knew, I, and I just ate me away on the inside. And the condemnation that, it's just condemning, it's, it's, it's just weighing on me because I said, you're not good, you shouldn't have done that. And those kind of thoughts and saying, you've let your parents down, you let your family down. And that does weigh uh, on me and I think that's the perspective of the son. But the perspective of the father is so beautiful because the father was full of love, the father was full of um, uh, 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 forgiveness, the father was full of grace. The father was full of joy. And I know I'm preaching you, preaching this life. And as I'm preaching this, I'm also trying to tell my wife the boys are misbehaving to correct them. 
You know, that's family, that's life. And, uh, but, but that's, that's the perspective of the father. He's always loving. When he corrects us, when he, when he checks on us, he does it out of love. The Bible also says that he corrects us because he loves us. Amen. Verse 22, it says, But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals to his feet. I love this scripture here. I love the picture. I love the, imagine the, the, the servants are watching. Imagine there's a commotion. Imagine that, that he is kissing, he's hugging and he's, and this boy is full of shame and he must have been seeing himself this small in front of his father. And um, while he's confessing his wrongdoing and the father is saying to his servants, quick, 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 bring the best clothes, bring the best uh, the pair of shoes, bring his pair of shoes and bring the ring and put up, put this robe on him, put right clothes on him, put the shoes on him and put the ring on him. And what he was doing there is uh, the meaning of the robe and the ring and the sandals because the robe talks about identity. The robe talks about the identity. They had a certain robe, a certain, a certain robe, and, and, and what the clothes they wore back in the day uh, sort of um, uh, uh, signified uh, who they were, whether they were slaves or whether they were masters. And so he is putting that robe on the son. He's saying he's giving him his identity back to him. And the sandals talk about dignity. Because back in those days, servants didn't have sandals they walked bare feet but of course the masters had sandals so it talks about dignity and ring talks about authority because they, they use that as a signet to to put a stamp in the wax in, in in any letters that they wrote and it talks so rob talks about the identity sandals talk talk about dignity and ring talks about authority and that's the beautiful thing for us today, that as we run to our Heavenly Father, the Bible says that He will clothe us with righteousness, that He will clothe us with His love, and He will give us our identity. You know what? The world may say, and the world will always remember you with, the, with, with how you've behaved and what you've done. But God remembers you the way he's created you. And when you come back to God and repent and, and, and ask for forgiveness, he will give you the identity. And your identity is, is you're the apple of his eye. Deuteronomy says that you're the apple of his eye. And it also says that you're the head, not the tail. Amen. That's how God looks at you. When he looks at you, he looks at you like his precious son and daughter because he loves loves you and he died for you amen he gives us dignity god gives us dignity the world takes our dignity away the world attacks our dignity the world destroys our dignity and the world teaches us if you want dignity you work hard for it but god is saying that i give you my dignity i give you the dignity that you deserve and the last one is the ring, the authority. Amen. God has given you, if you feel that you don't have an identity, let me tell you, your identity does not come by what you drive, what you wear, where you live. That's, that's the worldly way of identity. And that's not what I'm talking about. Because you can have that today, tomorrow you will lose it. 
We don't have guarantee in that. But this identity I'm talking about, it is for eternity. And the dignity I'm talking about, it is for eternity. And the authority I'm talking about is not the authority to, to boss over. It's an authority you have to remind yourself that you're bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And when the devil comes to tell you that, that you don't deserve grace, you don't deserve God's love, that you don't deserve God's mercy, you don't deserve God's uh, uh, forgiveness, remind yourself that you've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And the blood of God is on you. And the seal of God is upon you and he has authorized you to walk in righteousness, in purity, in love and in joy and in peace. And let not that be taken away from you. Amen. 1 John chapter 3 verse 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us. I love the word lavished. He just lavished it on us. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Do you know the reality is we, we don't deserve to be called the children of God. We don't deserve to be called. What have I done to, to, to really uh, uh, deserve to be called the children of God, child of God? I've done nothing to deserve that. I get called and I have the privilege. You have the privilege. We have the privilege. To be called the children of God. Not because we've done some good things. Not because we follow the religious laws quite dutifully. No. We are called the children of God because of what Jesus did on the cross. We are called the children of God because you and I have recognized what Jesus did on the cross. And we've recognized the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We've recognized and given our hearts to Him. And that's why you and I are called the children of God. Amen. I hope and pray that you understand this truth. A lot of people struggle to see themselves as a child of God. Because you think, well, how am I a child of God? What have I done to deserve that? My friends, you have done nothing to deserve that. It's because of what Christ has done on the cross, you and I now deserve that. Amen. So receive it and live in that truth that you are a child of God and no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Amen. Amen. You know, only God can make us pure. Only God can make us clean. Only God can make us righteous. Only God can make us holy. It's not our actions. You know, holiness is not what God wants from me. Holiness is what God wants for me. I'll say that again. Holiness is not what God wants from me. There are a lot of religions and there are a lot of uh, teachings that say uh, to be holy, you have to do step one to step five to be holy. You have to live a certain way to be holy. God does not want uh, uh, holiness from me. Holiness is what God wants for me. So where will it come from? It comes from God. Amen. It is not my holiness and righteousness. He is looking for from me. And I can't be holy. I can't uh, be righteous uh, in my own strength. I need the loving grace and mercy of our Heavenly Father.
He provides this by His supernatural grace, His mercy, by His love and by the power of His Holy Spirit and by His Word. Amen. I am holy. Peter says, be holy for I am holy. And this is what he's talking about God. You are holy because God is holy. You are holy because His blood is upon you and He's cleansed you. You are holy not because you prayed for five hours or you read your Bible or you started reading your Bible for 20 minutes. You are holy. No, no, no. Don't be deceived. You cannot attain holiness by behavior. Holiness comes by surrendering ourselves to our Heavenly Father. And by faith, accepting His holiness, His forgiveness. And then we are made holy. Amen. Hallelujah. It is by His love we are transformed, not by our actions. With the help of the Holy Spirit and the Word, we are transformed. And that's a beautiful thing about that. That's why God has transformed us. It's not by our actions, but by His Word. So I want to encourage you to get to know God, and that will transform you. Verse 23 says, Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast uh, and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found, so they began to celebrate. Amen. So we can see God um, loves to party. He loves to celebrate, but He celebrates when we give ourselves to Him. Amen. And as I close this morning, I, I want to jump to verse 31. Verse 31 of Luke chapter 15. And uh, in verse 31, Luke chapter 15, it says, My son, the father said, You're always with me and everything I have is yours. This is the oldest son. He's very upset that the younger brother has come back and the father is throwing a party. Verse 32, he says, But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost, now he is found. And see, this is the interesting thing that the older brother who was with the father complains. If you read the story, I don't have the time to go into that, but read the story, he complains that how can you celebrate when this younger brother returns instead of punishing him, but you're celebrating him. But the father had to go out. See, both sons, he had to go out and talk to the oldest son and say, hey, he was lost. The younger brother was lost, but he's found. He was dead, but now he's alive. What can we learn from this story? Both sons were lost. One was lost by walking away from the father. One was still lost by still being in the house of the father. The father went out to seek both sons. Because religiously living in the father's house being dutifully doesn't help us either. We've got to have developed the love for God. Both children did not understand the love of God or the love of the father. People sometimes struggle to come to God because they think God or the father, heavenly father is hard on them. Or sometimes the church can be quite hard. Church can be quite critical like the older brother. And we say he shouldn't be here. He, should, he doesn't deserve that. And we can be quite critical. And that can stop people coming to God. So we've got to be careful how we 
we, we, we um, perceive people and not become critical and judgmental of people. Amen. So as I close this morning, you know, what God offers when we return and repent to seek for His love. The first thing God offers is forgiveness. And we read that in 1, uh, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, it says, If we confess our sins, God is faithful to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when you return to God, He offers forgiveness. Amen. When you return to God, when you repent and come back to God and seek Him for His love, He offers acceptance. He doesn't reject you. He doesn't push you away. He accepts you. So run to the Father again and again and again and again. Amen. The third thing that God does, He restores you. He restores your eternal life. He restores uh, 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 the godly identity, godly dignity and godly authority back to you. And our response to that Forgiveness, our response to acceptance, our response to restoration should be one to recognize the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Just like this parable, this story, both sons, we don't know what happened after that story and how the sons grew, uh, lived. But one thing we know in our lives that we are called to respond to His call, respond to His love. Respond to His uh, grace. Respond to His mercy. Respond to His kindness. Respond to, respond to His generosity. Respond to His forgiveness. And the Bible's so clear. If God has set you free, free, if the Son of Man has set you free, you are free indeed. Amen. So no sin can ever bind you from entering into the presence of God. When you repent, when you accept Jesus as your Savior, as your Lord, you have freedom in Christ Jesus. Amen. So this Father's Day, as we celebrate our fathers, I wanted to focus on this story to remind you, we have one Father, His name is Jesus Christ. And He never changes. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. Amen. And if you run to that father with brokenness, with your mess, you don't need to come to him clean. He will clean you up. He will forgive you. He will make you whole. He will restore you. You just have to respond to that truth that he has set you free. Respond to the truth that he has forgiven you. You don't need to do anything to attain that forgiveness, you have already received it because by faith you've responded to God's love. Amen. Isn't God good? I hope this encourages you. I hope this um, helps you to, to, to um, understand that you can run to the Father.